Hello and welcome to another amazing interview that we got going on today. We are with Matthew Sanderson, uh, who is one of the scenario writers for the new book out on uh, Kickstarter right now. Definitely make sure to check it out. You can find the links down below if you haven't already. And we are going to tell you why you should back, if only just to get a taste of this scenario. That, that Matthew's that Matthew's writing right here and right now. Uh, so Matthew, why don't you introduce yourself? You have a long history uh, of writing for TTRPGs. I have a few of your books, uh, but I, I feel no one does it better than than you. Oh, that's that's a lofty pedestal to put me on <laughs> for someone who doesn't like heights. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been writing for RPGs now for about the last uh, nine years, nine ten years. Um, started off all places at a local convention where I got noticed by uh, Simon Rogers, the head of Pelgrim Press. He was a guest of honor nice. that had uh, uh, been invited to the convention. And then he and Graham Wormsley sat down and played my uh, my Lonely Delta Green game that I was running. Um, by the end of it, he t uh, stood up and said, well, I've done something right, that um, if this was written for Trail or Theater Terrorists, then he would take it off, his hand, uh, take off my hands there and then and publish it. <laughs> so I made a deal, I'd write him an Eater Terrorist game, if he liked it, then see what happened, and that was my foot in the door. Uh, since then, I've gone on to uh, write for a lot of the games that I enjoy the most. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, Trail of Cthulhu, uh, Cult now, yeah, and Vampire the Masquerade. So yeah, they're all the big the big ones that were my formative years of starting to roleplay, I've now I'd been able to luckily get to contribute a bit to. <laughs> and all the horror ones too. It, it, are you just gravitating towards it? Is it your favorite genre? Oh yeah, by by far. I, I like the games that make me think, and I like the games that scare me. Those those are the things that really really grab me at the game. They're pretty much all your babies, I'm, I'm sure. But if you had to pick one of these games to play as your horror go-to for the rest of your life. Ooh, come on! You know the answer. You're, yeah, you're playing, playing actually. When it goes to, when I go to conventions, I'm lucky enough that uh, I have a, a friend of mine who does run a lot uh, a lot of cult. So cult is indeed my go to playing game. Running Call of Cthulhu because I I just do so much of it. But yeah, playing I love to play. <laughs> That's awesome. The, the takeaway is cult cult is best. <laughs> I, I jest though we we love all the others delta Green, call of cthulhu all all these games if you've mentioned i adore and love the impact they've had in the the horror genre for for role-playing games especially masquerade has some wonderful pieces uh, but what are your influences what kind of inspired you to to step onto that role as a gm at that convention uh to terrify people oh I think mainly, especially on the convention circuit here, it can, it can be sometimes very uh, kind of hit and miss whether you get uh, get into a game or not. There's uh, some conventions have a shortage of GMs. Mm. I, rem I remember going to a convention down on the south coast that uh, used to be called uh, Conception. It's now uh, morphed into a different event called Contingency, uh, where I turned up with this uh, ideal version of I want to play all the games that, I, uh, that I've always wanted to play. That I finally get to sit down and uh, have it and Pretty much every time I was beaten to the sign-up sheets and the games would be full before I could get uh, before I could get a chance to get my name up there. Yeah. Uh, so in the end, I decided, well, if I'm going to do something in every slot, I might as well run games. So I brought my whole back catalogue and then started running them and getting a bit bit of a following at conventions as a result from that. Ooh. Do you still run games? 
oh, at these yeah. conventions. Oh yeah, loads. Uh, we have a regular cult game actually at uh, the convention I mentioned, um, Contingency, um, that started by actually doing the playtest of Judgment about three years ago. Ooh. And at the end of the uh, the end of the session, all the all the players were like, "Wow, we we actually want to continue playing with these characters." So we decided that we'd do a game that continues one year after the next, after the next, and we're now on about our third or fourth instalment now. And I, con I continue to write one-shots for Cult, but all link in slightly to the building metaplot that I'm building across these link scenarios. Oh, I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but campaign? Oh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, definitely a, it's definitely a campaign. With they, they have a very definite goal that the players know they're working towards. But can we also play? Is this? Can, can we, are we going to maybe see this sometime in the future? Well, if, if you guys want it, I'll write it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Judgment. What is it about? What are its themes? Why should people play it? All right. It's definitely what I'd call an adult scenario. Um, whenever I've run it, uh, particularly at conventions, I've always put a... Uh, a note on there saying, yeah, adults only. This deals with some very, yeah, very yeah. heavy adult themes. Uh, central to it is abortion. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely not a topic to tackle lightly. Um, I like to think that it handles both sides of the debate, um, pro-life and pro-choice, equally and validly from their own uh, perspectives, mm -hmm. that it doesn't have a bias one way or the other. It just presents it as a very matter-of-fact um, mm -hmm. theme within the game, the uh, concept that very much is the driving force behind the events that start the scenario. Um, but also in sent, kind of in parallel to that, there's very much a theme of that there are no good choices, that there are just consequences and circumstance that you have to deal with. And sometimes you are going to get dealt one bad hand after another and you just have to roll with it. And it's very much those making the lesser of two evil choices to get to yeah. the, uh, the most favorable outcome. Sounds like a tough scenario. Uh, but you've been running horror games uh, at conventions for a while. And as someone who definitely enjoys running and playing at conventions, how do you go about approaching such sensitive material with possible strangers and just making sure everyone's like, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm quite lucky that uh, with the group of players I have access to, that it's normally the same group that come mm -hmm. to me in, in combinations, like some will go in one, some will go in another, uh, that come to me wanting to play these games and will normally pre-sign up ahead of time rather than it yeah. be open, open to the masses. And I know from experience and knowing the players over the years that I've run games for them, the kind of things that they will, um, they will like, the kind of things that they'll want to steer away from. Mm -hmm. So it's not totally going in blind and then suddenly bringing up a topic that might be quite a sensitive issue to someone. Yeah. I've, got a, I've got a fair bit of warning beforehand. Excellent. That's always good to hear. Um, so Judgment is part of this campaign uh, that you've been running for some time. How much of it was like affected by the, the, the choices of your players and or did you just kind of roll? Did you already have it written out by the time you brought it before them? No, it was mainly as it mainly came into being as a result of running that, to say that playtest session where they said that really we want to carry on with these characters, and mm -hmm. it was left on a fairly, uh, fairly grandiose cliffhanger uh, kind of a note. Um, I've even written into the uh, manuscript for the the one shot scenario to say that there are possibilities for loose threads at the end that could be dealt with as part of a series of sequels. 
but I went with a fairly fairly grand plot for the uh, for the scenarios mm. that followed. So that that will keep them occupied for at least another few years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as someone who's kind of written for so many different role-playing uh, horror games, uh, how do you kind of approach each, uh, I'm going to call them genres, but really like books, you know, going between Delta Green to uh, Call of Cthulhu to cults? How, how do you, the differentiations between approaching these? I, I normally, you'd have to get into a very, my, a very particular mindset for each one and think, oh, this is the canvas I'm using, these are the tools I've got available to me. And I very much tailor, um, tailored obviously the game to the system. Mm-hmm. And generally, if I think of an idea, I'll try and think, well, which game does it match the best? Mm-hmm. So there are things like, say, the topic of abortion for, um, mm-hmm. for judgment. I wouldn't necessarily put that into a, um, into a Call of Cthulhu for, um, a, uh, scenario, for example, because that, that's yeah. more about cosmic horror rather than uh, personal horror. In this case, this is because it's a very personal issue. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it very much if the idea will come to me, and then I can't think. Well, which which one of the options I've got in terms of games will it fit into? Or if vice versa, if I've been given a brief to say, uh, here we would like a scenario that involves X, Y, and Z, and I know it's going to be for let's say either let's say vampire or Cthulhu, then I can work with the tools in that game to then match what I've been given. You were talking about the the judgment and how they just loved the characters they were playing enough that they they kind of pushed you to to continue going for it. Who are the these characters that are so uh, enticing that that you just have to play more of? Oh, I, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but I'll give a kind of rough <laughs> overview. Um, the opening scene of the scenario starts with uh, in the last maybe about an hour beforehand. Um, a nice suburban family um, in Phoenix, Arizona, in modern day, in a in a heat wave, which is quite topical for today, considering I think it's the hottest day of the year so far uh, yeah. in sunny old England. But um, one of the daughters in the house, and so you've got the mother, you've got the father, and then you've got two daughters. Uh, one of them kind of sneaks in after hours. She's a bit groggy. The mother's been staying up late, worried where the daughter is, and thinks, well, maybe she's on drugs or she's got drunk or something. And there's, there's an argument, things get heated, and finally the, dirt, uh, the daughter just blurts out, look, mum, I've just come back from an abortion clinic. At which point, the proverbial hits the fan, and the fifth character in the set, um, her boyfriend, is basically given the, kind of read the riot act over the phone to say, you, you will get your ass to this house now, we need to talk. Yeah. And there's, there's lots of different agendas and motivations between those characters. Um, one of them may know a little bit more about the illusion than some characters might do from the start, as they're, they're somewhere between sleepers and aware archetypes. Mm-hmm. So they, they fall in the middle between the two. This, this could very much be a group's first exposure to the illusion that would then set them on a like, track to do other, other scenarios. And in particular, uh, one, one of the players who uh, came up to me at the convention and said, look, I've seen you running Colt. I've, I've, I love this game, and I haven't, I haven't seen anyone run it in years. I've, who do I have to kill to get a seat for a game? Um, he played the boyfriend, and <laughs> he just he just grabbed it and ran with it so fiercely. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like an intense first scene. Uh, <laughs> definitely. And definitely uh, particular to the, the Colt style. Um, was there any reasons you kind of chose to zero in on that kind of uh, hot topic? Yeah, it's, it's one of the very first 
ideas that came to me when, uh, even back way in the day when I read um, Second and Third Ed, mm-hmm. that one of the things that massively appeals to me in um, any game system or any uh, game setting rather is taking an issue which if you see it through the lens of that particular setting becomes something completely different so in this case as uh, those that know the game death is just another part of the illusion it's another part of the machine and another mechanism a mechanism of control so if you put that in the hands of say a death magician Mm-hmm. What is abortion other than just stopping the clock on someone's time in Elysium and sending them back to be reprocessed quicker than most? And what is a, a fetus other than just a piece of flesh, which is, again, in itself an illusion or a artificial construct in which to hold mankind? Yeah, definitely. So, so having um, that kind of what could be considered by in normal human standards quite a monstrous viewpoint suddenly become something that you maybe not be able to empathize with, but can understand. Mm-hmm. That is a, a paradigm of uh, mindset that really, really appeals to me in games. Excellent. And so it sounds like this is like meant to inspire uh, a lot of thought. And w- what would you say is the, the utmost question that you wish people or hope people kind of struggle with as they're playing this, this scenario? Are they prepared to go to lengths that previously they would consider anathema? It's kind of how far can they push themselves to get out of the situation they're in? Um, some of the characters in their backstories have uh, problems with certain things. Um, the mother, for example, is a is a cop who's been in a quite um, violent incident in her past, mm-hmm. and just the thought of getting into another gunfight terrifies her. Uh, when it's, if it then comes to the point where she's having to draw guns on someone to protect her fa- herself and protect her family, can she do it? Um, when someone learns that the, the faith that they have been introduced to is potentially nothing more than a lie and nothing more than a means of controlling her, what will she do in response to that? So it's yeah, very much push how how far you're willing to push yourself to to get out of a very horrible situation. Excellent. That sounds super, super enticing. I can't wait to get my hands on the scenario. Uh, so it sounds like you pretty much have it written. What? What's? Uh, is there anything left for you to do, or are you just coasting till the Kickstarter is uh, done and everything goes to print? Yeah, I mean, virtually the whole thing's done. I originally say developed it about three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's had a bit of bounce, bouncing back and forth between myself and Peter, uh, for example. Um, he had a couple of suggestions on things to streamline it, to to add here and there, and I think I've got maybe a couple of paragraphs left to finish off, and then I'm done. So, what are you? Because um, uh, obviously, there's hopefully going to be more uh, in the future. And does the scenario kind of leave on that same sort of epic cliffhanger, or did you have it so it had more of a uh, a finality to it? It's got multiple ways it can resolve. Um, I like scenarios that don't necessarily, they all finish in the same way because mm-hmm. that can be a bit dull for a GM. I've had many instances where I've run games over and over and over again. Yeah. Of, uh, they've all gone kind of similarly or they've gone the same way and I know where it's going to end up and it's kind of almost played by numbers at that point. So I like to write up situations which are kind of sandboxy mm-hmm. uh, where it sets up the situation, has kind of bangs and um, things that you can bounce off. But where ultimately it ends up could be any one of a, of a number of potential outcomes or something that I haven't foreseen at all. So, yeah, so, it's, it's very open. 
Yeah, I mean, there's obviously the uh, amazing argument uh, before about why you should play. Uh, and it sounds like as a GM, this is definitely a scenario you can do over and over again with various um, endings, occurrences. Um what what did you kind of put in the scenario that kind of encourages that are you know special for the the GM as they're reading or or running it uh, that really kind of helps them create something that, that's all their own? Yeah, I mean, I've put in characters that have motivations, uh, mm-hmm. not just obviously the player characters, but the the non-player characters as well, mm-hmm. so that you have an idea of how they're going to react in various situations but they could be encountered in a whole range of possibilities by different combinations of characters at different times, in different orders, which will obviously influence what information the PCs have and therefore will influence their decisions. And different locations people can go to, again, they can go to any order. So it's very much, here's a list of what the PCs could potentially react to. Uh, Knock yourself out on how you present it to them and obviously how they react to it, just run with whatever they do. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's the argument for GMs. Uh, you definitely need to pick up the the book for the scenario. Uh, so before we kind of head out, Matthew, what do you have to, what's kind of your, you're on this pedestal. We've given you the stage. The curtain is drawn. What have you to say? What are your last words? Rabbit headlights then. No, I hope people I hope people obviously enjoy the game. There's a lot of good stuff that the uh, the Kickstarters uh, put up there. And I'm I'm very excited for the um, for the Forbidden collection that's come up. Yeah, there's oh. definitely, definitely stuff in there I want to run. <laughs> it looks so good. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of good stuff coming in coming in the pipeline. There's been mentioned on the um, the Hamgas Facebook group. Um, there's various other projects. I'm particularly interested in the uh, the Magic supplements coming later down the line. Yeah. I remember the. Um, I remember the ones from Second Ed with their uh, gloriously unreadable backgrounds. So having a book that I can actually decipher would be nice. (laughs) I I totally understand. (laughs) Well, thank you uh, very much, uh, Matthew Sanderson. Once again, if you want to check out his uh, amazing scenario, make sure to check out uh, Cult on Kickstarter. It's going on. we got six more days left. Uh, so definitely hop on. You're going to want to be on this uh, gravy train because it's going to be amazing. Matthew, once again, thank you so much and uh, always a pleasure. No worries, my pleasure. <laughs>